0: As uh, Al read a few minutes ago, this is Mary's uh, song, commonly referred to as the Magnificat. You know, earlier in this uh, chapter, she did have a visit from the angel Gabriel. He was dispatched from heaven by the Lord. And uh, he came to Mary and he said to Mary, Mary, I'm bringing great news for the people of God. The promised Messiah is now finally going to come and he's going to deal with the sin problem on earth and provide a pathway to heaven for those who believe in him. And Mary, Gabriel says, you have the privilege of being the birthing mother of the Messiah. Gabriel leaves and Mary travels, a little bit here. Mary travels about 80 miles from Nazareth in the north down to the hills of Judea in the south to visit her relatives, and that would be Zachariah and Elizabeth. You see, six months earlier, uh, Gabriel had appeared to them and uh, told them they were going to have a child, and uh, they did miraculously. Elizabeth was way beyond the ability, functionally, uh, without uh, the sovereign God uh, giving her the ability to have children. And so she had one, and uh, she was actually carrying uh, the baby for six months when uh, Mary shows up, and she's carrying John the Baptist. So John the Baptist and Jesus are somewhat related, humanly speaking, in in light of that, all of that. Now, uh, Zacharias, of course, when the angel appeared to Elizabeth and said she was going to bear a son in her old age, He uh, didn't believe it, and therefore uh, God kind of settled on him the whole gift of silence for uh, nine months. And so in the last three months of that, Mary was there with uh, Elizabeth and and Zechariah, and he couldn't say one single word. All he could do was listen and probably obey in that regard there. Anyway, while Mary was on that visit to... uh, to Zacharias and Elizabeth, this is where she composed this song, uh, this unbelievable song. And uh, as we examine it, uh, there's a number of things that are going to uh, hit us, I believe. And one of them, we're going to be stunned by the capacity of Mary's mind and the courage of her spirit, because she was unbelievable. Now, Gabriel's message that Mary would be the mother of the Messiah had negative implications both for Mary, for Joseph, and even Jesus himself. In other words, there was a message coming to each of those three when when Mary got pregnant. Now, let me just kind of tick them off a little bit and, and, and show you how they were affected. Uh, Gabriel's message to to with respect to Jesus, I should say, with respect to Jesus as the Messiah and King, he would be in grave danger. I mean, he wasn't, uh, looking back, Herod was uh, assigned by Caesar to give a measure of guidance to the land of Israel there, that little strip of land along the eastern part of the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, he was going to do that. And... Uh, Herod had already called himself king, and the idea of the king of the Jews being born here is something that uh, he didn't really want and look forward to at all. In fact, he was so crazy and so paranoid that he actually initiated the slaughter of the innocents there in Bethlehem, every child, every male child under the age of two. So Jesus was in danger um, by that particular message. But not only Jesus, but it also affected Joseph. Now, Joseph was a righteous young man. I, I spoke on him last Christmas. I'm sure you remember the message. But anyway, he was a strict adherent to the law of God. Uh, there's no question if Mary showed up pregnant that he would reject her, that he would simply move on. He would never believe her story that she was impregnated by the angel of the Lord. I mean, you know, he, he would just move on by that. You know, we, uh, he would think just what anybody else thought, you know, my, my fiance has been unfaithful, she's been messing around. And there's no way that Joseph, who was a righteous man, he was actually called in the Hebrew term a Siddiq, a person who really kept the law of God, who honored the Lord, who was faithful to it. You know, if he were to marry this woman, settle in with this woman, uh, his reputation in that community would be tarnished beyond fixing. Uh, as an entrepreneur, he would be committing uh, suicide in that community—a career suicide. His name, his standing in the village, his carpentry business would all head south. Now, with respect to Mary, now it was also affected Joseph, but it also affected Mary <clears throat> because she would be an unwed, pregnant teenager uh, in an unfriendly culture. If that ever happened. She'd be the subject of rumors for years to come. Her friends would turn their backs on her when she appeared in public. See, Nazareth was a small town at that time, and that's kind of the way small towns worked. And her dream of having a celebratory wedding where friends and family members would come from all over the place and join in and the, the, the joy and the fun of, of seeing a marriage take place all of that was totally dashed it wasn 't going to happen. Her friends, in fact, would turn her backs would turn their backs on her uh, after jesus birth. <coughs> Mary and Joseph had to run from the wrath of Herod. Uh, she spent the earlier part of her life after she left Bethlehem and escaped the slaughter of the innocents. They went over to Egypt for a period of time and so Mary and Joseph spent the early part of their marriage in a land that they did not know with a language that they did not speak. And uh, the song that she sings uh, is called the Magnificat. And it begins with a Latin translation, my soul magnifies the Lord. Now, everybody magnifies something. It's just part of the human condition. Uh, to magnify something is to give it uh, an extraordinarily large place in your life. Your mind easily wanders to it. Your desires are shaped by it. Your identity is tied up in it. And your joys and your sorrows are going to be conditioned on whether or not you're getting more of it or less of it. Now an alcoholic, for instance, will magnify a bottle. A workaholic will magnify success. A hypochondriac will will magnify his illness. But a servant of God magnifies the Lord. And this is really what set Mary apart. Uh, In Mary's song, there's several allusions to the Old Testament. Her knowledge of the Old Testament and the way she reflected on it is absolutely extraordinary. There were a lot of people that have studied Mary's life, and, and a number of them say that Mary memorized the entire book of Psalms. That's how scholarly she really was. Her knowledge of the Old Testament was just extraordinary. See, Mary understood that Jesus is bigger than anything we can imagine. He's bigger than any of the problems that we encounter, any of the tears that we shed. Mary got it. She understood exactly who Jesus or who God is and what he's about. Now, in Mary's day, the most important person was Caesar Augustus, and Caesar Augustus was the emperor of Rome. Uh, The language that that surrounds him is, is pretty enlightening as to what was going on during that day because Caesar Augustus was the adopted son. Of Julius Caesar. And Julius Caesar ro- ruled the Roman world prior to his death. And when he died, he was so popular that Rome actually pronounced him as, defi- as divine. And that made Caesar Augustus the son of the divine one. This, and they put this inscription, his, they actually put the inscription, uh, his inscription on the Roman coins and, and titled it underneath the Son of God, the Son of the Divine One. Now, when Augustus seized power, he ended the civil wars that were ripping apart the empire. And because Augustus was able to unite Rome, the people called Caesar Augustus savior and the bringer of peace. His act of tax Romana was declared throughout the empire as good news or gospel. So four expressions really describe Caesar. Uh, First, he's the Savior, the Son of God, the bringer of peace. And his reign is called the good news or the gospel. Now in the Christmas story, Gabriel tells Mary that Jesus is the Son of the Most High. And the angel told the shepherds out in the field that the birth of Jesus is good news or the gospel. And then the angel said, for unto us a savior has been born. And then the angelic host sang, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. So the same language that was used to describe Augustus is now used to describe Jesus. And it's no accident. Caesar Augustus was the top dog in the empire. But now God was here, Jesus was here, and a whole system is about to be overthrown. A way of life is about to be challenged. Powerful rulers uh, will be defied because the real son of God, the real peacekeeper, the real good news, if you please, has come. And uh, that's a lot to absorb in the culture of that day. Who's going to understand it? You know, the shepherds spread the word about the child. All who heard the story were amazed, but Mary treasured all of these things and pondered them in her heart. You know, Luke makes a careful distinction between all the people in one category and Mary all by herself in another category. Everybody else was amazed. Mary pondered. And, Mary pond, and Mary's pondering was not a time of quiet reflection with a cup of herbal tea. Uh, her pondering, you, Luke uses some real unique and technical language here to describe the reflection of a prophet. Uh, he discerns, a prophet discerns God's will so he can tell the people and call them to respond with their whole hearts. Uh, think for a minute about the significance. People In this story, you have Joseph. He was a righteous man with and just highly respected in his community. There were the Magi and these people were from the east. Uh, They came to see the new risen or the the newborn uh, Jesus there in the manger and they were the scholars. They were the PhDs of the group. Uh, There was Herod, he was the king who lived in a palace, and then there was also Zechariah who was a priest and knew the law. Now you would think that at least one of these people would uh, know something about the far-reaching implications of Jesus' birth, but they didn't. One person gets it. One person ponders and treasures. One person figures out who Jesus is so that a story can be hold be told. And that uh, unwed Jewish girl is a very astute theologian. You see, the Magnificat is really not an innocent little religious song with a harmless words of devotion. It's a spiritual and political time bomb. You see, Mary lived in a world where Herod the Great had become great by taxing the peasants into oblivion. Uh, where Caesar Augustus had become great by forcing the people to bow a knee to Rome. So Mary's song is a reaction to all of that, and she uses language of protest. She says that God would scatter the proud. She said he would bring down rulers from their thrones. Now, rulers don't like songs that speak about their demise. Mary counters it by saying, God has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. So the Magnificat here is a revolutionary document. When Jesus grew up, he would defy Herod. He would defy Pilate. He would defy the Sanhedrin. Now, who do you think was the first person to tell Jesus that God would bring human rulers down? You know, Mary magnified God, and when you magnify God, you see how great, how vast, how holy he is, and it changes the way you look at the rest of life. When God gets big, fears get small, worries get small, death gets small, Mary's song came from the core of her soul. And she must have told Jesus how Gabriel had come to her And said she was going to have a child, and asked, "How can this be, since I'm a virgin?" And Gabriel said, "All things are possible with God." I wonder how many times Jesus heard those words, "All things are possible with God," when he was growing up in Mary's house. Uh, Let me give you four just four basic thoughts here. Uh, First, with respect to Jesus and Mary. First, one day when Jesus was grown, he said in Mark chapter 9, verse 23, as he was about to perform a miracle, all things are possible with God. Where did he get that? Well, he got it from Mary. And he, says, he goes back and says, hey, Mom, I'm singing our song. Second, look at this. Mary's lyrics announced that God honored her in her own humble estate. And she said, from this time on, this is Mary saying, from this time on, all generations will count me as blessed. Now, Jesus must have heard Mary say she was blessed hundreds of times while he was growing up in her home. And when he grew up, he gave the most influential talk in the history of humankind, and we know it as the Sermon on the Mount. On the mount, and uh, Jesus began that particular talk by talking about the poor and humble people, saying, "Blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed are they that mourn, because through me God is available to you." You know, that's again what she what what was part of the magnificent that Jesus pulled right out of it. Hey, mom, I'm singing our song. You know, one of the central characteristics of Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount is that the last, or the first will be last, and the last will, in fact, be first. In God's kingdom, the dark values of this world will be overthrown. The least will be the greatest. The slaves will be the ones on top. Those who give will receive in life. And this was Mary's song. She says, the humble will be lifted up. The rulers will be humble. The rich will be sent away empty. The hungry will be filled. The hungry will be filled. Just take that for just a second and put it in your shirt pocket. Because this is something that Jesus talks about. You see, the material for Jesus' Sermon on the Mount was really found in the Magnificat. That's where Jesus learned from his own mom. And the third thing is, one day Jesus teaches 5,000 people. They were poor, they were hungry, so Jesus feeds them. Just what Mary said in the Magnificat. On another day, Jesus teaches 4,000 people. They were hungry, they were poor, so Jesus feeds them. Just following again what Mary had said in her song. Uh, sometime after that, you know, when Jesus... Um, uh, takes his disciples to the upper room and he, he gathers around the table and they celebrate the Lord's <laughs> Supper and Jesus feeds them yet again. And after Jesus rose from the dead, he can be seen over a charcoal fire cooking food where he's feeding his disciples yet again. You know, in other words, when Mary said... The hungry will be filled in her magnificent. What Jesus is saying, I'm doing that. I, I, I'm, I'm singing our song, Mary. Now, the fourth thing is this. I wonder how often Jesus thought of the time when Gabriel came to his mother and told her that her old life, that her old dreams were all going to be gone. He was offering her a new life if she was willing to die to the old life. And she thought about it, and she uttered those words, let it be according to your will. Now, that wasn't easy for Mary to say that, because she knew, but she knew that God was faithful. You know, I wonder how quiet she got. Uh, how, it, let me tell you, I wonder how quiet Jesus got when he reflected on the heartache and the ridicule his mom went through when she was single and when she was carrying him in her womb. I wonder how many times Mary said to her little boy, you know, God was faithful to me even when he asked me to do a hard thing. And if he ever asked you, Jesus, to do a hard thing, You can remember how your life started and how faithful God was to me and how faithful God was to you, too. And years later, in the Garden of Gethsemane, it happened again. The father did ask Jesus to do a very hard thing. You know, when you take on yourself the full weight of the sin in the world so that, you know, that people can experience forgiveness. Will you do that, son? And the son thought about it. And remember in the garden when he was talking to the father, how he was sweating those drops of blood, how it was a time in which the father was showing him the cup, what was in the cup of God's wrath, and what he was going to allow his son to endure so that we might have salvation. The son was sweating those drops of blood as he was doing that. And the father was saying, will you drink the cup? I want you to drink that cup, the cup of my wrath that will be poured on you so that I, through you, can save your people. And the son thought about it and he said, let it be according to your will. You see, at the end of his life, Jesus said to the father exactly what his mom said to Gabriel at the time of Jesus' conception. Hey, mom, I'm singing our song. I said yes to a hard thing as well. You know, I got to thinking, you know, maybe, and thinking about us and where we're at during this Christmas season, and maybe... uh, Your heavenly Father, who has proven to be very faithful to you, might be asking you to do a hard thing during this Christmas season. Maybe to kind of clean up a little bit and offer a confession to the Lord or somebody that you've offended. Maybe taking the first step to a, a long overdue reconciliation with another individual in the body of Christ. Are maybe moving out in courage with spiritual confrontation of somebody that you see moving in the wrong direction. Perhaps the words of Mary to Gabriel or Gabriel to Mary, nothing is impossible with God. And the words of Mary to Gabriel, may it be done to me according to your word. Maybe that can be acted upon by you and by me in the course of this season of the year. Uh, You know, I've only been, I've been with you for 13 and a half months, and I've gotten to know uh, a lot of you, some of you pretty well, some of you in a cursory fashion, but nevertheless, uh, having been here, I trust your willingness to do what God lays on your heart during this Christmas season, as far as doing the hard thing, uh, doing what is right, uh, uh, cleaning up friction, uh, moving out in harmony, uh, creating a beautiful spot here so that people might be encouraged when they do walk in here. Uh, I I know every time I walk in here, I'm going to be greeted with, with a smile. Uh, and if necessary, I'm going to be confronted uh, because we always need those coins, kinds of things. And Mary was willing to take the hard hit to do what was really, really difficult in order that something great might follow. And what God says, you know, we're not greater than our own, our own God. And he asks us at times, hey, listen, will you do the hard thing uh, for the sake of, of the building up of my body for the kingdom of God, will you be willing to courageously, as Mary followed the Lord and did exactly what God wanted him to do or wanted her to do so that a Savior might come, uh, that uh, the world might indeed be reconciled to God himself. Will you bow with me in a closing prayer? Uh, Father, uh, some of us perhaps uh, need to die to an old dream in order to be born again uh, to a joyfully and painfully magnificent life. Some of us are in the highest place. Some of us are in the lowest place. But we all need to be healed. We need to be challenged. We need to be encouraged. Uh, by your spirit within us, and by the body of Christ, uh, to continue to walk in a direction that would honor and glorify you. Uh, We are what we are today because uh, people sacrificed uh, in our past. People shared with us the message that uh, originates all the way back with you. And the book that you've given us that reminds us that... uh, we, uh, we can follow your will. And during this Christmas season, Father, I pray that our greatest appreciation would flow out of our hearts for what uh, you've done, who you are, and how deeply you love us. And in the midst of whatever heartache that we endure, Father, we would pray that it would be buoyed by the fact that you're going to give us the courage and the strength to get through it simply because of who you are. And we thank you in Christ's name. Amen.